Thank you, Pastor Isaac, our wonderful youth pastor who still navigating uh, multi-generational communication. <laughs> it's all right. We're going we gonna, to we gonna keep working at it. We're going we gonna to keep trying, you know. That's why it's really important to have young folk and seasoned folks in our church, you know, and uh, we, we need both. And um, hey, good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Vineyard Church of Baton Rouge. I'm, if you're just visiting with us, I'm Jeremy Pleasant. I'm the senior pastor here. I want to welcome you. Um, uh, yeah, just really glad that we're able to worship together and be here together today. It's been a beautiful couple of days. Um, also, like, you know the summer's coming, and you're like, just a little bit longer, Jesus. Let me get 70 degrees, just a little bit longer. <laughs> um, so obviously, it's, it's Easter and Lent season. We have a lot of uh, activities and things going on. But as we kind of are pushing forward into 2022 and, and go further deeper in, you know, what we've been talking about as, as a staff and, and as we're thinking about what our, our community right now is, we want to create opportunities uh, for us to to reengage, right, and to 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 redeploy as a church community in our in our in our walk, in our faith, and in our uh, engagement with with one another and the larger community. And so that's kind of why we're doing all these things. We're bringing things that we've done before. We're bringing new things, and we're just really trying to say, hey, we're we're reengaging in this new season to 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 draw closer to Christ. Um, I'm really excited about our interactive reflections of the cross, which is coming up soon. Um, and and uh, I'm I'm curious to hear how the uh, the devotional has been this fa- our family devotional this season has been for you all. So um, yeah, share with me some time and let me know how that's going. So speaking of this season, we're in this series called Living the Lord's Prayer, and we've been going through this very simple yet profound prayer that Jesus taught his disciples, that Jesus teaches us. Um, And we are not only looking at this prayer, but seeing how we apply it in our lives uh, each week. And so today we're going to be looking at the next part of the prayer, our daily bread. Uh, We're going to continue the theme of looking back and looking forward um, and just explore how Jesus taught us to live and pray um, this prayer as it relates to the praying of our daily bread. So let's look at the prayer one more time. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So let's look at verse 11. This is going to be what we're focused on today. Give us today, can you go to that next slide, please, our daily bread. Now, what's really interesting is I want to juxtapose this uh, version of the prayer with the way that Luke and his witnesses heard it, and this is really important. And so let's bring up the Luke version of this prayer, and it says, give us each day our daily bread. And so we have in Matthew, give us today our daily bread. We have in Luke, give us each day our daily bread. And so I want, I want us to have both these uh, translations in mind 
as we go through today. And so as we look back, I want to talk about feasts. Because when we talk about bread, and, we, and, and when Jesus refers to bread, he refers to himself as the living bread. It's really important to understand this theme throughout the entire scripture of, of feasts. God instituted times of celebration in the Jewish calendar. Right? We actually still see it in our calendar at different times. We're like, what is that Yom Kippur? What is that, what is that Passover? What is, you know, it's like these are all feasts that are actually in Scripture that are still celebrated to this day in the Jewish people that God added to the Jewish calendar. But they're tied to something. They're tied to an event. Each feast, each celebration is, is meant to remind the people of God of something that he had done. And most often than not, it's tied to some type of liberation or some type of restoration. Israel was in, in trouble. They were in bondage. They were crying out to God for help. And God helped them. God saved them. God restored them. And as a memorial of that, he instituted these feasts. And so it's really important to, to, to actually be able to acknowledge that, like, hey, God really loves a good party. Like, he loves to celebrate. He loves for us to remember what he's done. And then what we also see when we look back is that the authors of Scripture ask us to, to look forward. The prophets and the psalmists have us look forward to a day where God is going to have a grand feast for all us people, Right? The psalmist says, you make a feast before me. And Isaiah 25, verse 68, it says, On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the good stuff, not the, uh, you know, two-buck chuck, the best of meats and the finest of wines. It's in a different translation, the, that part. Just... Didn't put it, didn't print it. On this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove his people's disgrace from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. In this grand prophecy, when God is going to restore all of humankind, when he's going to defeat death forever, when he's going to wipe away every tear, it is surrounded as this feast. For all people. And so when Jesus prays or teaches us to pray, give us today our daily bread, it has a, that has a big meaning, right? We're not just talking about bread. And so as we look forward and in the New Testament, we look at feasts, we, Jesus gives this teaching, right? But then as we look at the gospel of John and, and the account of Jesus through the gospel of John, we see that each part of Jesus' story throughout the gospel is centered around a feast. And so it has this big spiritual component. But then we also see Jesus going around telling people, hey, the kingdom has come. Get ready. We're about to change some things. And he's also feeding people. I mean, he had more than one supernatural miracle where thousands of people were fed, right? So when Jesus says to pray that we would have our daily bread, it is the spiritual experience, but it's also a physical one, physical needs being met each day. 
which then brings us forward to communion and the sacrament of communion and the practice of communion that is given the church, which we're going to dive into a little bit later. And so as we are praying our daily bread, as we pray, Lord, give us today our daily bread, there's a couple things that we need to we need to look at. See, because some want to put the entire, this entire prayer within the lens of just a spiritual experience, you know, that we, would, that we would have all that we need spiritually to be content and to have hope and to be full. And it is that, but it's, but it's not only that, right? Because as we learned when we said, when we, when, we, when we saw your kingdom come, that there is, there is heaven and then there is earth and that there is this overlap and that we both need the spiritual experience and the spiritual expression of God, but we also need the physical, right? We also need our physical needs met. We also need to see the, the here and now, the practical address and dealt with. And Jesus said both, and this is why it's not an either or scenario. It's both and. This prayer is both for the future and for our hope and for our our experience of God, but it's also for the now and for his presence and for our needs. So the interesting thing about our needs is that as we pray this prayer, we learn that, oh, it's, it's, it's good to to, to pray for our needs. Like, Jesus doesn't trivialize that. But we have to put this prayer in the context of the wider prayer, right? So before he says, give us today our daily bread, what's the first thing that says? Our Father, glory to your name. And we talked about that and what that means. Your kingdom come. We talked about that and what that means. These are big statements that Jesus made. That Jesus made. And so what we have here is we have this, give us today our daily bread within the context of those first two prayers. And so when we put it in that context, it changes the way we pray it. It doesn't mean that our needs aren't important, that it's this big, uh, transcendent, big cosmic thing that God is doing. And so my tiny little need is, is minuscule compared to that. Like, no, that's not what that means. It means we put it in that context. And then within that context, we know that God cares about the individual need. That God stopped what he was doing to care for the person on the street. That God left the 99 and went after the one. Right, because logic says, you know, when you have too big of a picture, like, no, you gotta, you gotta watch out for the 99. That's your big investment. The one is just gonna have to figure it out on its own. But Jesus left the 99 and went after the one. Right? And so we have to be able to hold this intention that the prayer we pray when we pray, give us our daily bread, is prayed within the context of the cosmic plan and the cosmic order that God is doing to restore all of humanity and all of earth and the entire universe and to restore us. That he sees each and every one of us. That he sees the person on the street. That he sees the lonely, that he sees the lost. And as a matter of fact, that scripture teaches us That's who he's with the most. And so as we pray for our own needs, and we put this prayer in the context of the larger prayer, it illuminates our need to pray for others. Because we do have our own needs, but as we're also praying your kingdom come, it has to 
light up our brains like, oh, I need your kingdom to come for others too, Jesus. So a couple years ago, I don't know if y'all remember Alan and Anda. Uh, they were a Cameroonian couple that used to go to our church before they moved to Texas. It was a very sad day. Uh, I remember we had dinner, and Anda was praying, and she, she, she blessed the food. She's like, Lord, thank you for this food. But then she said, Lord, help us remember those who don't have food today. But it, it struck me so deeply because it wasn't just this routine prayer. I felt it. And I could see it in her eyes. Lord, thank you for this food. Thank you for what you have given. And let us remember those who don't have food today. And what I could see in her eyes was her remembering those who didn't have food. When we pray this prayer, it opens our eyes. To not just pray for others, but to pray alongside them that we would walk with them in their hunger, whatever hunger that is, in that need, whatever need that is, realizing we have the same need. We walk alongside, we pray alongside, we kneel alongside those outside of us. Because that's what Jesus did. And not only because that's what Jesus did, because as we pray this prayer, it's what changes our hearts to do. Like all of a sudden, we're like, oh, I I want to do this. All of a sudden, it's not a fight. It's not a struggle. It's not something I have to ration. I have to like be rational about. It's just like, no, I want to walk alongside and pray alongside those around me, those who are in need. Because I can feel that. I can see that in the way that Jesus does. And it's there that we meet Jesus in a deeper way. I mean, did he not say when you feed folks who need it, you're actually feeding me? Did he not say those that you meet with that are forgotten and invisible, that you spend time with, you're actually meeting with me? This prayer is more than words. It can transform us if we allow it to. And so we, we're not just praying, right, this prayer. We're also living it. And so I want to look at 11.3 again. Give us each day our daily bread. Like, that's, that's an interesting clause, right? Like, an interesting way that sentence has been translated because it's like, not just like, hey, I need my needs provided for in general, Right? But give us each day our daily bread. You know what this links back to? To Israel in the wilderness. When they were hungry, like they just got freed, right? They just left, they, they, they just, just trounced on this empire. They're now free. They've been slaves for 400 years, and now they're on their own. They don't know what to do. They're hungry. They're like, we should have just left us back in Egypt. I'm like, okay being a little dramatic. Do you remember how bad it was? <laughs> Let's be real, we do the same thing, though. <laughs> and God says, all right, don't worry about it. I'm going to give you 
some bread. They didn't know what it was, so they called it manna. And if you remember the story, God gave them just enough for the day. And so if they try to grab more than they needed to like store it and have some for tomorrow, what happened? It would rot, right? It's like God wasn't just providing something for them. He was teaching them something. Because like, I know that's what I would do. I know like, kind of like the way like it used to be, like you, you get some money, you finally get some money. You're like, all right, we're going we gonna to stop up on all the top ramen. We're going to have six months of Top Ramen so that, like, when, <laughs> when you get broke again, you are set, right? Like, you are straight for the next six months. This is what they were doing. Like, hey, we got to stock up. We don't want to go hungry again. And God was like, that, no, that's not how we're doing this right now. I will give you the bread you need for today and only today. And the only time, actually, you can stock up is on the Sabbath so you don't work that day. Because that's how important the Sabbath is. And we're not getting to the Sabbath. We, we talked about that before. We, you, know, you can go check that out. That's a whole nother day. But we have here this illustration and God link, and Jesus linking to God's provision. That when we pray, give us each day our daily bread. That's a powerful prayer. That's a risky prayer. We're saying, God, I want you to be our provider. I want you to be my security. And it's like, yeah, that's the right thing to say. That's like the proper Christian thing to do. But then when we actually have to live it out, it's really scary. It's really scary when you're like, oh, I don't have the safety net that I like set up. Like for me, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a planner. I got a plan A and a plan A, B and a plan B. And it's, it's a very complicated system I have set up to make sure, like, if then this happens and then we go here, right? And then if that doesn't happen, then we go here and, you know, we got the whole thing set up and God just, like, just smashes the whole thing. <laughs> like, oh, no! But I had this whole thing set up so that, like, I would feel safe. So that would be okay. And God's like, I want that for you, too. But let me do it my way. And so if we're going to actually say, give us this day our daily bread and mean it, we should be ready. So uh, there's this guy. His name is St. Ignatius. Can you pull up that picture? This is who he is, at least based on a Google image search that took 30 seconds. Um, so it's my best guess of who he is. Um, uh, 16th century uh, saint that Ignatius was just like a regular guy who discovered um, major principles of how to walk with Jesus that we still use today. And so Ignatius was a really cool dude. Um, and he, he, gave, he, he shared this parable. Um, basically, three people come into generous sums of money, and they're, they're trying to follow God, and so they don't know what to do with it. And so one, one, one of the people, they're like, well, we should probably like, just like, use this money and like, hold on to it. And then whatever we do with it, like, we'll, we'll just, whenever we like, make enough and we know we have enough, then we'll kind of give some away to the poor. Or right, then the second person was like, well, actually, 
like, I know that God provided this for me, and so I'm going to give a lot away, but I'm going to make sure to hold on to some, just, like, just in case, right? And the third person was like, um, Lord, do what you want with this. Take it away from me. Let me have it. Like, whatever you want, and I'll just, I'll just use it for your glory. But, like, it, it doesn't matter. You just decide what to do. And so there was, like, what we see in this parable, this, this pursuit of, like, detachment from things. It's like, well, I'm not saying I don't need it. I'm not saying I don't want it. I'm not, I'm not saying that I do. What I am saying here is I'm going to let you decide, and we'll go from there. How many of us, like, can we, like, do that? Like, if I'm going to be honest, like, I don't know if I can do that. Because, like, I can already think of right now, like, how I would invest, like, the first half and what I would do with the second half and all these different things that I would have plans for it. But also, I, like, I want to make sure that I'm safe and that I, I kind of have, a, a, you know, a backup plan now that I got this money that came in. Let me figure out what I'm going to do with it, right? But to actually be able to detach from the thing that provides us so much security and say, God, hey, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to trust you with it. And in that detachment, he actually provides the nourishment that we're looking for. Y'all with me so far? Okay. So we have, as I said, the, the theme of feasting in Scripture, right? And so we have bread and we have feasting. And then we also have the theme of, of fasting. And so as we're looking at how do I detach from the things that provide to me so much security? How do I actually go about saying, Lord, just give me today what I need? We have one of the methods to do that is fasting. Now, fasting actually, so fasting serves a purpose. Feasting also serves a purpose. But each day, our daily bread, we have an opportunity to fast or feast for his glory. Now, it's really important to understand, like, fasting serves multiple purposes in Scripture. Like, often it's like we tie it to one, but it's actually several. Uh, it can be a place of seeking and encountering God. It can be a place of worshiping God. It can be a place of confession and repentance. It can be a place of mourning. Fasting serves multiple purposes in Scripture. And so as we think about how we fast, and often traditionally in the church in the season of Lent is a time of fasting as it relates to confession and repentance— but we can also kind of expand that to the larger picture. And as we look at the Lord's Prayer, we say, okay, what does it mean to fast in a way that would honor God? What does it mean to fast in a way that would help me detach so that I can find my nourishment from God? You still with me? Okay. So the first thing we have to look at with fasting, especially if you're like a super disciplined person, it's like we can't confuse that with trying to make ourselves right. Like fasting doesn't like cleanse us. The blood of Jesus does, <laughs> right? But often we kind of, we, it's easy to confuse the two. Like we want to fast. So sometimes like punish ourselves. Like I'm going to fast because I, like, I did a bad thing. And so now I'm just going to like not do it for the next month and repair my relationship with Jesus. Yeah, that's actually, we, that kind of then defeats the purpose of the cross. So we don't have to do that. <laughs> But instead, we want to fast and with, with a sense of like, all right, how, do, how does 
this bring glory to God? How do I seek God here? How do I encounter God here? How do I even do I confess here? Like it, it can serve all of those purposes, but we don't want to like self-impose denial in our lives for the sake of imposing denial in our lives, right? That's like, that's when we, when we become like super religious and like, and we kind of divorce the, the experience of God with the practice of kind of these theological principles is, is when we say, well, I'm going to do this just to do this, right? And, and, and we, we need to bring it back and say like, no, if I'm going to deny myself, it's going to serve a purpose. Now, on, on the other side, right, like we don't want to take what God has given us, his pleasures too far, right? We don't want to go into escapism. We don't want to fill our stomach when actually it's our soul that is hungry, right? So I've said this before, but I venture to say most of the challenges we have, the sins we have, the vice we have are actually at its core, at its root, God-given desires. But because of all the reasons, <laughs> we're not allowing God to fill those desires, and so we're, we're filling them in our own ways. And so to illustrate in a similar way, we're hungry for something, but instead of receiving the nourishment from God, we're filling that nourishment ourselves. Fasting helps illuminate that, helps bring that into the light, and helps us reorient toward God so that he can be our source and he can be our provision. And in the same way, when we hyper-spiritualize things, when we look at others around us, when we look at our community, when we look at the world, and we say, well, well they just need Jesus. But our hearts don't lead us to action to improve their lives. We've missed it just as much. We can't say, go on the street. Like, there are times when like, God just clearly brings someone in front of us, Right? that he's calling us to just kind of be with it. Like, we can't say, cool, hey, I'm going to pray for you. That's great. And then ignore the need that's, like, right in front of us. Like, we can't do that. And what that looks like for us is going to be different. I'm not prescribing an action for you to take. I'm not saying, okay, when this happens, do this. What I'm saying is we need to examine our hearts. And as we are praying this prayer, know that the spiritual is important, but so is the physical as God brings those in our lives. It's not enough to say, oh, you need Jesus. <laughs> it's like, how can I be Jesus to you right now? Jesus filled the soul of so many people. He also filled their stomach. And so we have to hold both realities, Right? And ourselves and our own needs, we, it's both and. And as we engage with the, the world around us, it's both and. All right. We're wrapping up here. For real. So that brings us to communion. So the communion experience is really interesting because it's actually both spiritual experience and, uh, and, an, and an application of living out what it means to be the church. And so what we see happening when, G, when Paul is talking about the communion in, in 1 Corinthians, it's really easy to like take these things out of context 
and it's just like, well, if you do this during communion, you're going to like really get messed up. And if, if, if you're not like exactly perfect and you take communion, you're going to die. Like it's really like if, if we take the context out, then we like we miss what was going on. We kind of miss kind of the purpose of communion. The purpose of communion is to, to remember Jesus, to honor Jesus, to take the bread and take the juice, remembering what he had done and living out his life and living out the bread of Jesus in our daily lives. And so here's, you know, what was going on is you had this church, all right, church of all kinds of people, different ethnicities. You had poor, you had rich, you had slave, you had free, all kinds of people in the same church, unified in one body. And so what's happening is they come to, they come to church, they, they get ready. And so also, but it was different. In, in the early church, communion was like a feast. It's what it was. It wasn't like bread and wine. They actually had a meal. It's one of those kind of things I get kind of, that's just kind of took a different turn kind of through the years of the church because like Jesus talks about bread and wine. And so we just have bread and wine, but it was during the Passover meal. So it was actually a full meal. It was a full feast. And so the, the church celebrated communion with a full feast for the church. And so this thing, people would go and kind of like what was happening in the world outside of the church, they would eat all the food and the poor folk in their community who actually didn't have food would come to the table and it would be empty. And Paul's like, what are you doing? You're doing the same thing in the church that's happening outside the church. Like, no, it's supposed to be different. If you're hungry, eat at home and then come to church. We can't forget that we are one body. Those who have and those who have not. Those on the top of the, of the social class, those at the bottom. We are one and we have to look out for each other. And so we have actually in this practice of communion, both a spiritual experience of experiencing God and experiencing the presence of Jesus, but also a practical thing of how we are looking out and caring for one another. At least that's what's happening in the first Corinthians church, in the Corinthian church. And it also illuminates for us, like, okay, are we extending the table? Like, one thing that we should look at when we, when we practice communion is like, who's actually not here? Who's not at the table right now? Who do we extend this table to? Because I guarantee if it's a table that we created, someone is missing. Because, listen, we're imperfect. We have our preferences. We have our biases. And what Jesus taught us was to like welcome everyone to the table and like we want to practice that and yet in our limited nature, we can't always. So we continue to push in and say, who's not at the table today? Who's missing? Who have we left out? You remember the parable that Jesus shared of the, I think it was a king that wanted to have a feast for like the whole community and like no one showed up. And so he was like, all right, fine. That dude on the street at the gate right there, go bring him in. All the other people that people forgot, go bring them in. I'm going to have a feast with them. It's a parable of, of, of what the kingdom is like. God has made this feast for everyone. 
Let's make sure to bring in the ones that I forgot. And so as we pray, give us today our daily bread, it is both praying and doing. Our actions are a reflection of our praying. The reason why the both and matters, the both the spiritual and the physical matters, is, 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 is because of this. We can't disconnect the head and heart. We can't disconnect the spiritual and the earthly. They have to be interwoven together because that's how Jesus did it. All right, let's look at a couple of practical tips. Identify an area of your life where you want God, where you want God to give you just enough. And I will write better next time. <laughs> a place where you only to be your provider instead of something being your provision. Let God direct your heart as you learn to find your security from him. Number two, what bread do you need right now? Is it spiritual or physical? Pray daily for this and rest in God's provision. It's like this number, like this second one is a super simple thing. I find it's actually really hard to do the same thing every day. (laughs) I've also found when I actually do this daily, something begins to change in me something begins to happen for just like a couple minutes every day. And so I want to invite us all to practice that. It also helps us to get in tune to our needs, both our spiritual and our physical needs. Listen, we live in a very fast-paced culture. Uh, We live in a very microwave culture, so often like whatever we need, I can just like get it right quick. And so what this practice does for us is say, okay, actually, how many times do we actually stop and think about what do I need? Because often our most basic physical needs are met in our culture, right? At least in, in, in our communities. Often our most basic physical needs are met. And so we're often not in tune to what our needs are. And so if we actually stop, we take a minute, we reflect, and we say, okay, actually, what do I need? And give space for that to pray and listen and think. I think you'll be surprised what will come up. And then you begin to pray for that. And that dialogue ensues with the Lord. Oh, man. Some really cool stuff happens. Before we go to number three, I want to I share a quick, really quick story. Sometime last year. So I do, for me personally, my personal spiritual rhythms, I do, I, I do fasting at different times of the year for, for short periods. Sometimes a week, sometimes a month, different things. Um, sometimes it's food, sometimes it's, it's something else. Um, because of health implications, I can't like fast or, uh, for long periods of time. But I was doing a, um, like a, I think like a morning fast or something. And just it was a long period that I was doing a fast. And I remember just like really struggling. Because <laughs> I was like, I'm hungry. <laughs> but like, you can't think, right? Like, so you start getting like a little, a little hazy. And you're like, like, I got to focus. I have things I have to do, like complicated things I have to like think through and figure out and work through. And, and so like, I'm praying, I'm like going through it. And I'm like, I don't know why I'm doing this fast. <laughs> 
And then it, it hit me. I was like, man, imagine having to go to school on an empty stomach. Imagine having to do that every single day. And like, because this was during COVID and a lot of kids weren't getting fed. And it's like, it's hard to focus. It's hard to like do well. It's hard to pass a test when you've only eaten once in the last 24 hours. And that illuminated something for me. Like, I've intellectually known these things, right? I've also for a long time been thinking, I was like, hey, where do you want to focus our outreach efforts next? Like, what does that look like? And like, it came together in this fast. And it was like, oh, we got to do some more food security work in our community. And lo and behold, later that week, a friend of mine reached out <laughs> and was like, hey, there's this new thing we're doing in, in Baton Rouge called the the EBR Food and Security Coalition. We're trying to work together to solve food security in, in, uh, in our community. It was like, I see what you did there, Lord. That was really cool. And maybe that call comes, what, you know, I, I don't want to talk about like causation right now or correlation. It's like, hey, doing this created a space for God to, to, to have an impact in my heart error that I've seen, but I, even though I've seen it, I've missed it. And as I've missed it, he's like, hey, I want, I want to show you something. Like, you've understood this intellectually. Now you feel it. And it didn't lead to, like, an immediate solution. And so that's, that, that's what I'm saying here. It's not about, like, solving problems, but it led to the next step. And it's like, okay, how do I now engage with this? How do, how do I do this? How do I Lend my heart to better, more fair, more just systems around me. Because guess what? There are children going to school hungry. And like, it's one of the many reasons why like, they're, they're, they're struggling in school. But like, that's something that we could actually begin to talk about and begin to work through. And that takes me to like, okay. So God, what do you want to show me now? What am I missing now? And so number three, practical tip, who isn't at the table of Jesus? Who is he highlighting for you right now? And if, not, if no one comes to mind, I would ask you that you would pray about that this week. And like I'd highlight for someone, who isn't at the table of Jesus? How can you pray for them? But we're not just praying, right? How can we pray for them and also meet them where they are? providing a physical need for God's glory. Because, like, that's how Jesus did it. Like, that physical need, this can be food, yes. It can be child care. It's like, hey, I know you struggle with chocolate. Let me help you out for a couple days. This could be, I'm going to mow your lawn. Like, whatever that need is, like, we go, we ask. Maybe just someone just needs a listening, non-judgmental ear. But you know how many times people just need someone to listen to them without trying to solve their problem? That like rarely happens. You know how powerful it can be to just like listen to someone? That feels that that feels an actual physical need. Like it's not about turning this into a salvation conversation and pulling people to Jesus. 
like, it's not like pulling people at, to the table. It's like, oh, how do I be Jesus to them and extend the table outward? And as we do that, over and over, and as we pray over and over, people want to know Jesus a little bit more. <laughs>